I was a kid, I laid awake at night and heard the sounds of trains. There's a lot of things I didn't understand. A lot of things I'd do different if I could. I don't want to be criticized. Nobody takes me serious here. Like you? Who in the hell says I gotta like let go of this? How can I let go of this? It's who I am. It's all I know. I wish they froze me in a block of ice till it was my time when I was ready to make my move. Before I started doing this active stuff, I was afraid to get up in front of me. I didn't go to the moon. I went much further. Right now, what kind of theater does this country need? How about a theater with black and brown actors who had been convicted of serious crimes and had spent years in prison? Actors who want a chance in a society that has no time for them. Actors who ache for change. You know, that kind of a theater. For the last decade, Richard Holder has taught acting at Otisville State Prison and has formed a company of formerly incarcerated men studying the art of acting at HB Studio. Prison Monologues is a podcast that reveals the actor and his story. I didn't go to the moon. I went much further. Where, where are you now? Um, Right now, I'm in the parking lot in basically, what is this, Bay Plaza? Okay. In the Bronx. Mm-hmm. That's where you usually do your food shopping? Yeah, here, sometimes a little bit closer to my house, a um, uh, supermarket called Aldi's. I don't know if you ever heard of them. No, I'm a, I'm a Manhattaner, Upper West Side, so. Okay, I, well, I'm originally from Manhattan, from Harlem, so. Right, right. I just moved to the Bronx maybe a couple of months ago. Had, mm-hmm. So you, you'd been living in the, in the in Harlem up to that point? Yeah, Harlem, yeah, all my life. Um, well, with my mother, sometimes I'd go back and forth, Harlem and the Bronx. So I guess I can claim both. I know that wages. Waji, Waji, Waji. Yeah, it, it, it's wage, but I should have put a hyphen or another e in it. So it's right. originally Ka Waji, but everybody call me Waji for short. My mother spelled it K A W A G E. K A W A G. So you, yeah. so it's Kawaji. Yeah, it's Kawaji. But we call, call me Waji for sure. Waji. How did they come up with the name Kawaji or Waji? So, yeah, she combined um, names. Uh, Carol's her name, so that's the K. Right. My, come on. my father's name is not Winston, but she calls him Winston for some weird reason. I don't know why. And I don't know where she got the G part. So, Kawaji. Sounds like your Winston. mom was, uh, is, is a really creative person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a unique name. I think I've only heard of one person my whole life who actually had that same name. Kawaji. Kawaji was originally on my birth certificate, but my father changed it later on to Herman. Okay. After my grandfather. Herman Power Thomas. This is uh, Prison Monologues Podcast. I'm Alan Winson, and I'm joined by my PM co-host, Richard Holer. Richard is a master acting teacher, and we I just heard he's he's up for an audition, so good luck with that. And we're having a conversation with his students, who we first met when these men were serving time in Otisville Medium Security Prison. And I want to thank Waji or Herman Power Thomas for uh, mm-hmm. joining us. How how are you two doing? I'm. I, I I was just thinking recently how this COVID nineteen pandemic thing we're living through is starting to feel like that's norm. It's like it's yeah. normal. 
you know? Yeah, it seems like that's the new norm. And uh, I, I just, every day I'll be like, well, is the world ever going to go back to the way it used to be? And I just can't see it. It just seems like it's just, it's never going to go back. But Rich, what about that? I mean, things are starting to feel like this well, is was, our normal I, life. I know, but I was meeting with somebody today and I said, I said, you know, it's what's going to be weird is like, hopefully we do go back to being in person with each other. We're getting so used to this, this distance that I think it's going to be weird once we're in each other's faces, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and cautious and a little bit distant, maybe, I don't know. I'm hoping there's not long, long lasting effects of this, but right now we still don't even know when, when we can. No, that, I, I know we're kind of looking into the future. I, I, right. I'm sending, we're, we're going to be wearing masks more often these days. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're yeah. kind of getting That's used to be the new norm. Yeah. Well, yesterday, yesterday I went to two stores. I had to go get some stone and I had to go get an all. Okay. I go in the stone store. Nobody's wearing masks. It's like like is, is normal. Yeah. I go into this the hardware store. Masks, plastic sheets. This, these were like two miles away from each other. Wow. So like, go figure that out. Yeah. Boy. Fun yeah. fact too. Um, most of the masks that these people are wearing actually is not stopping any type of germ or anything. It's literally just, uh, for show because it's not stopping anything. Well, the way they're wearing it. I mean, if you wear it correctly, I hear it. It does. You know, diminish. No, no, no. The virus is uh, the virus is so small that you need a, a special type of mask, like a surgical mask you would have in a hospital, or um, a N95. Those would stop it. These typical masks that you're buying at Bloomingdale's or at the corner store are not stopping anything. The virus is small enough to go right through there, so it's really just for show, literally. Okay. Which is not what this program is about. So uh, we're, 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 we're talking with uh, I like him <laughs> with uh, uh, Waji about your life and wanted to focus on your acting. I mean, that's but we want to hear about other things about you. But we generally okay. start these programs with our uh, performer, which is you, sir, doing something for us. Uh, hopefully, you prepared okay. something to present for us. Maybe you can tell us what okay. you're doing and yeah. then um, let's hear it. I have something. I have my monologue that um, Rich and I have been um, working on for Great. the last couple of months. This is what we've been performing. Um, I think first we started every Sunday and then we switched over to every other Sunday. What's the title of this, Rich? Yeah, I, I just want to let you know, this is a monologue by John Patrick Shanley, you know, who wrote Moonstruck and Doubt and a bunch of things. And it's a, from a play called Savage in Limbo, one of his more popular early plays. And it's about some really twisted characters up in the Bronx. And uh, which I, I like that Waji is in his car because the, one of the first times he performed this was in his car. And he actually performed it once while he was driving, which I don't recommend. But it was <laughs> one of the best performances he ever gave because he wasn't focused on the monologue. He was focused on the driving. Yeah. And it was really, really fantastic. I'm you know, there, there, there's a him. lesson there for actors. It's oh, yeah. focus on your activity. Uh, right. right. Yeah, it's, real. We got to keep it real, do, man. Do, do what you're doing and throw the rest of it away, and you're going to do well. Yeah. That's what I say. So let, let's... Anyway, so this is from Savage and Limbo. This is Tone from, uh, or, uh, from Savage and Limbo. Oh, I was in my car outside this place over the weekend. I had a couple of drinks, and I was a little fuzzy, so I was waiting until I cleared. It was dark. I'm sitting there, and this unknown girl got in. She just got in the car. She started talking to me. She started rapping to me about the, the Soviet Union. Yeah, 
everything about the Soviet Union, the economy, housing, how they feel about China being right there, everything, everything about the Soviet Union. She must have talked for two hours, Russian paranoia, Taz, the Gulag. I'm sitting in and I'm taking this in. The Trans-Siberian Railroad, what kind of talks they got over in Eastern Europe, why they need American wheat. And then she was finished. She told me everything she knew. So I took her in the back seat and I banged her. You want to know something? It was the best. <laughs> it was the best I ever had. And it wasn't because she knew a lot of tricks or nothing like that. It was because she told me about the Soviet Union. And then she left. <laughs> now here's the thing. She was very ugly. And I didn't think I could ever be with a woman like that, but it happened out of whatever happenstance. And I was. And it turned out to be better than when I went after. Do you see what I mean? Do you see where I'm coming from? Some girls you look at, some girls you don't. I want to see the things I didn't see before and let the stuff I was looking at go by. I want to know something else. I want to see something else. I'm 32 years old. I want to change. Same. That's one of the flip. <laughs> Terrific. I, I, and then I, this is the part where in my head I say all the mistakes that I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's that it's that judge on our shoulder. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's two lines there it. that I kind of twisted, but it's okay. Nobody that is, knows. That is I've gotten so many people responding to it. They say, Who was the guy in the car with the Russian chick? He was really good. <laughs> uh, is there any takeaway that you take from watching you from that uh from that piece? Um um, I assume that uh, I, never happened to you. Just getting in the car? No, that never happened. I mean, similar stuff has happened, but uh, not specifically that um thing. But I think I've kind of had this for so long that I've put some of me into it, but I've also kind of incorporated tone. I've had like an image of what tone or who tone was and kind of try to pull from that that resource you know what i mean yeah um it seems like he's an asshole he's a womanizer he's somebody you know that just dogs woman out but for some reason this one just hit him different you know <laughs> what i mean and i try to put myself in that place you know and of course rich is always uh, always has notes he's the note master so well, we're not gonna ask for any notes right now <laughs> i i thought i thought it was terrific i had to stop myself from from laughing out loud into the mic uh, yeah. <laughs> and it was it was funny because it was so kind of I get it. I yeah, get it, you know it's and, and it's also an abrupt change. Yeah, for me when I first read it, I didn't expect it. Like so, I took in the back seat and banged it. Like nobody expected it to go that way. Yeah, you know what I mean. And to be so blunt about it as well. So right. you know that's kind of what drew it drew me to it. He gave me I think like maybe two or three choices, and. This, I believe, was the first choice I read. I didn't even look at the other two choices. I'm like, you know what? Let me get this. Right. Well, it wasn't you know that, that they jumped in the back seat and 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 they had sex. It was that she was she was ugly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the other surprise in it that she's ugly. And then uh, the third yeah. surprise is, it was so good. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, she, she, she was also right. She was also it wasn't good because of the sex. <laughs> the sex wasn't the good part if you really understand it. It was the new idea. It was the new horizon. 
right. was basically the deal breaker for him. You right. know what I mean? Right. That that that's what sucked him in. Right. You know, so you would think number- it was the sex because of his pedigree, but it wasn't. Yeah, there's a number of revelations there that you kind of just surprised, which is a sign of, yeah. of really, really good connected writing. Yeah. So, Rich, tell us how how do you know Waji? I know Waji. Uh, I met Waji at Otisville. I was doing. I uh, had just started working there teaching, and we were doing a show called Tough Love. And Waji was in my workshop, and I assigned him a, a monologue, Clifford Odette's monologue, which he killed. It was really wonderful. And uh, and also he did a scene. And the scene, what was the scene from Waji? Do you remember? Oh, the scene was the it was the drug dealer in his okay. uh, in a, a hat full of rain, a hat full of rain, uh, Michael Gazzo. So and one thing I remember about you know when it's kind of cemented art thing, we we did the show and everything was going well. And apparently one of the nights that we did the show, his partner went completely up, and you know what up means. Oh boy, his I've bond. done that. I've done right. it. He oh, gone. And Waji's standing there like a deer in the headlights. You know, I mean, the first time he's ever like on stage, I think. You know, and I mean, it's like you know, and he pulled it off. And I remember afterward he telling me that it was the scariest thing that ever happened to him, but also kind of the most thrilling because he really saw it through. I mean, he saved the scene. He got the guy going again and they got, and they finished it. You know, we were all like, Oh, thank God. So it was, we really got to know each other fast and furious because when terror, (laughs) when you're both sharing terror, you get to really get tight. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, I was kind of upset about that. He was kind of slacking, for most of it, but um, I guess I, I did enough studying for both of us because right when, when he messed up his line, he skipped like half the monologue, wow. like a good percentage of it. But I picked up right where he where he left off. You know, it was kind of hard. Like you know, you you're preparing and you're like, okay, well, I have to say this after this. And but when he skipped it, it was like, oh my god, and he was kind of <laughs> stuck. Like, cause he was a, you know, a fiend in it. So he was trying to, you know, scratch and make it seem like it. Right. I think a lot of that was nervousness too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, it was a success though. It, it taught me a lot too. You know what I mean? So. Well, I, I hear what Richard, Richard is saying is that there, there's a point there where you can make a scene work and you can be very proud of yourself for, for, for being, you know, I was nervous, I was scared, but yet I had the wherewithal somehow the character to, and, right. the, and the intelligence to be able to yeah. pick it he up. He stuck it him. out. He stuck it out and he got them through. He got and, both of them and through. And made the it's points. Like, I guess you made the yeah. points that needed to be made in the scene. Yeah. yeah so this yeah. could work. Yeah. Well, congratulations for that. That's that's great. Yeah, that cool. um, Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. You shared some stuff with us in your bio. Um, you were born in 1982 in Bronx, Lebanon Hospital. Interesting, mm-hmm. interesting detail that you threw in there. Um, you have two sisters. I threw that detail in because I rep Harlem all day, and when I tell people that I was born in the Bronx, they're like I knew it, I knew you was from the Bronx, I knew it. <laughs> well, so I was that was just... like an inside thing, you know. Okay, well, good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I brought it up. You have two brothers, three, uh, two sisters, three brothers. We'll talk about one of your sisters in a little more detail. One of your sisters' name is Barbara. My sister's name is Barbara, so we have something in okay. common there. Um, We're bro- you, you said that one of your brothers is unknown. I'd like to know about that. But you're oh, married um, and have three children, two sons, one daughter. What, how come one of your brothers is unknown? Um, so I, I never met him. Um, my father's from Jamaica, and um, he was uh, 70-something when he passed away in 2010. So he was much older. Um, so he had you he when, was older, he was when he was quite had me, old, yeah. older, yeah. 
Yeah, he had me when his daughter. And one of his um he had a son who came to visit him and got shot and killed. So I never met him and um my father spoke about him, but it wasn't something that, you know, he spoke about a lot. And at that time I wasn't as savvy as him am now to pick his brain and ask so many questions and wow. stuff. So, you know, I just don't know too much about him. You know what I mean? Um, I've heard about him. I've met, um, well, my sister's met his sister and, you know, stuff like that. But I just simply just don't know anything about him. He got killed, gun violence. That's one of the reasons why my father was so strict on me. Like, I couldn't have toy guns and stuff like that because of that situation. So, what did your father do? I just simply don't know too much about him. What did your father do? Uh, For a living, he, uh, construction. Okay. All right. All right. There's, there's so many of us, I think, live with that, the loss that, you know, I wish I had talked more to my father. I wish I had found out more, but you know what? It could be that you couldn't have found out anymore anyway. You know, I think. Yeah, it's possible. I I do. Well, you know, you played in your head. I I think in my head that if I had picked this brain, you know, a little more, I probably could have found out more, but uh, I guess we'll never know. Right. Right. Um, I want to kind of investigate a little bit about what you do. Uh, I, I see that you own and run the Complex Beauty Lounge, which opened in 2017, mm-hmm. located at 314 East 100th Street. Mm-hmm. I looked, okay, I, I, well... I looked um, that up. Well, actually, it's actually not a store. Um, oh, okay. Uh, we, we had an online... We had it going online for a while, and um, we shut it down because we just had so many uh, issues with our web developer. Oh. So we kind of had put it on hold on a while for a while. We um paid this um company some money. They were supposed to um find a location for us and just basically do a whole lot of footwork. And we was also supposed to get a loan. I was fixing my credit score, which is actually good now. And then COVID hit. Yeah. So it's just it's kind of been on hold for now. So we're starting to get things back into motion now and we're looking now to actually open a physical store. But we were selling basically hair and some other products just out of the house on the internet, off the website for a while, without like an actual brick and motor location. All right. So we'll give a shout out to Complex Beauty Lounge and hope I that uh, it. we'll uh we'll 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 see it uh, arise in in the future. You work with your yeah, sister yeah. Nakia. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, on that, and also on a podcast. The uh, oh yes, we have a podcast, House of Harlem TV. Shout out to House of Harlem TV. We air every Thursday night about eight on YouTube. Definitely check us out. We would love absolutely. to have that I did air. check you out. It's great. Uh huh. Um. Yeah, we talk about a wide variety of topics. The show has kind of mutated into more of a uplifting educational um piece now when we first started it was hood and ratchet <laughs> it, was, it was a no holds ball type of situation all right, so, all right define hood and ratchet for me please this, this white man uh, is, uh, hood and ratchet uh smoking drinking cursing arguing um just anything goes type of atmosphere we was just basically only talking about um current events um, back then, six nine snitching, anything that happened like that, you know what I mean? It wasn't more based for educational uplifting, you know, the people. And stuff all right, like all right that. you got to back just... up. Six nine snitching. Yeah, now, I just remember that topic. That was a hot topic when it happened. The six nine um, snitching situation, and that was. Uh, I have no idea that what was that ugly. is. Oh, you don't know who six nine is? The no. rapper six nine? No. okay well there's a rapper six nine long story short he was involved with some gang members and he told on all of them he went to jail for a little while and he came out he's out now currently 
and it's just it has a lot of people in the uproar. Okay, and he was snitching. Pretty, okay, he was snitching. If you if you Google it, it's trending crazy. It'll pop up immediately. You know, Six we, nine. We live in all kinds of different up. worlds. Uh, this is a fact. <laughs> I think about that actually on a daily basis. Like you know, certain things I'm not into, other people into, and it's like, oh my god, you never heard of this person, but they'll say something like, oh, I've never heard of them, and it's like insanity, dude. We've never heard of them, so that's right. It's just it's, it's good to be in different cultures and to speak to different people. And that's exactly. one of the things I try and to keep do. asking questions. Right? Yeah, I, I, I'm that's... never scared of asking. I ask the stupidest question. I don't care. Well, thank you for I answering my stupid questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, not sure. Your question is not we'll, we'll check out House of Harlem TV uh, in, in its new resurrected new version that, that you're mm -hmm. working on. So what work do you do now? Currently, I work in a hospital um, in environmental um, services. Um, I do acting, acting out loud. Shout out to them, too. And um, those are my two bread and butters. But um, my wife and I are actually um, opening up an uh, agency. An agency? Do you want to? What 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 kind of agency? Um, an agency. Um, she's a, a RN. She's a nurse. Ah. And an agency just basically sending out like CNAs and um, DSP workers, like home health aides, people going out to people houses and you know providing medical. Uh, I wouldn't say medical. Uh, uh, what's the proper term? Basically taking care of people in their homes. Caretaking. Yeah. Caretaking, yeah, there, there's a word for it, but my brain is frozen right now, so right. I have uh, to throw let's out. Let's talk about your early life a bit. You write in your bio that up until your freshman year in high school, you were an honor student. Uh, what high school mm -hmm. did you go to? I went to Samuel Gumpers in the Bronx. Okay. Oh, you were there. on the chess team, had a perfect attendance yep. uh, up until your first year in high school. Were you good at chess? Do you still yeah, play? Yeah, I was good. Um, we I had the pleasure of going to nationals. I didn't make it too far, but I didn't lose a game. I won like two, three, and I drew like three. Wow. So the three wow. draws kind of put me low in the standards. But um, I, I was pretty decent. I forget what my rank was. It wasn't nothing high or nothing like that, but I, I was all right at that time for my age. So do you play chess with your kids? Um, with my son, I play with him not too much. He's not really into chess too much. Um, my daughter's too, and my other son lives with his mother. But you still play? Yeah, yeah, I play. I got it on my phone. Um, sometimes I play with my cousins and stuff. We, you know, just sit around, play a little bit. I just beat the hell out of them real quick, you know. <laughs> so you, you need you to get some stuff. competition. <laughs> you need to find so, someone who's up at your level. At that time, when you were that age, I guess we're talking 14? Um, chess, yeah, um, I played more chess in middle school, so I would say like 12 to 14-ish. Okay, so at that time, what, what did you, where did you see your life going? Or did you have a dream for yourself? Um, hmm, at that time, where did I, I mean, I don't think I really had too much ambitions at that time. Um, I was just more focused on school, you know, regular kid stuff, talking to girls, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't really try to like, you know, pursue a career or put my life in a direction. I was kind of just going with the flow at that time. Right. But obviously school was important with you because you really applied yourself to it. Yeah, it was, well, it was really more so my father. I can thank him for that. He just, he stressed the importance of school. He made me go. I remember one time, I forget what grade I was in. I stayed home because I was sick. 
quote unquote. <laughs> and he made me watch Channel 13 the whole damn day. <laughs> I said I'd rather go to school, man, because yo, my pops was crazy. He he was strict. I mean, I, I know now why he was strict because you know the whole son dying thing and stuff like that. But at yeah. that time, I just didn't I didn't know. But, but that was smart I mean? of me. He made you watch educational TV since you weren't. Oh man, the whole <laughs> day, and it pissed me the hell off. Big yeah. time. Could have been using your time. I said, you know what? Like I'd rather go to school or cut or something. <laughs> you also wrote in this bio that you had shared with Rich and I that uh, your parents split up during those early years, about the age that we're talking about, I yeah. assume. And you lived with one and then the other, so you went back and forth. Was that difficult? The, the, the move, I, I, um, I, I wouldn't say it was difficult. It was actually, for me at that time, enjoyable because my father was strict. He didn't allow a lot of things. He was a certain type of way. And my mother was the polar opposite. You know what I mean? She wasn't strict. I got away with a lot more stuff. You know what I mean? So I lived in Manhattan and Harlem all my life with my father. And I'd leave. Well, my mother lived in Manhattan at one time, too. But the time we're talking about, she moved to the Bronx. So that's how I really got introduced with the Bronx. I started, you know, just doing all the wrong stuff. And my life just turned at that point. That was like basically high school. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about that period at all? I mean, it, and it was mostly when you were in the Bronx, not when you were in Harlem, that this was happening. Yeah, mostly. This would have started. So, yeah, so um, freshman in high school, I just got to um, Sam Bugampas. Um, I was still in honors class at that time. Um, and then I moved with my mother. My father, he took a pins warrant out on me. Uh, which is basically when you go to the courts and tell them my child is being bad or whatever. And he tried to discipline me that way. You know what I mean? And so I had moved. Oh, actually, no, this is what happened. I had gotten in trouble. I had gotten in trouble. Me and my cousin got in trouble, got arrested, and I had an open case. And he thought it would be a different atmosphere for me to move with my mother. I think him and the courts decided that. And that's when I moved and I actually like lived with my mother. Like um, she had custody of me. You know what I mean? I think that's the first time I really lived with her like that. And she was in the Bronx. And like I said, she was nowhere near as strict as my father was. And also my cousin moved in with me. And that was basically like my crime me. And we started running the streets, doing all types of stuff we shouldn't have been doing. And that's when my life just did. When my father, it was, you know, I can go to chess, stuff like that. I couldn't go outside too much, just school, home, that type of environment. With my mother, outside all day, I was drinking, I was smoking. We was running around doing all types of weird stuff. And that's when everything just took a dive. Wow. Do you feel, do you feel that if you, if you had stayed with your father, that um, this would not have happened, that, that you would have uh, taken the straight and narrow, so to speak? it was a better chance of me taking a straight and narrow if yeah. I stayed with my father. But you you can't really say that because one thing I've learned in life, when people try to hold you in and, and don't allow you to do certain things, you gravitate towards it more. Like, you know, they say a good girl. You keep her in church and you keep her isolated from the world. That moment she meets that bad guy and he shows her something she ain't never seen before, it's over. Because it's so new, it's so foreign to her, it excites her. The same thing with me. It might have been cool for a while, but once I would have got out, it would have—I would assume—it would have been the same thing. I don't know. 
Yeah, but so, more of a chance of me not taking that path with him, definitely. Yeah. So, so if you, uh, what I'm hearing from you is that if you, if you now at your mm-hmm. at, at your age were to go back and talk to your former self when you were 13, 14, 15, and running with your cousin, um, that uh, that young man would wouldn't really listen to you, and and and. To, yeah, he probably wouldn't. Definitely, I, I can say I'm a totally different person now than I was before. Probably wouldn't. Definitely wouldn't. Because my father told me all this. He told me everything, and I just didn't listen. You know, so well, I probably wouldn't listen to myself. I agree with you. Interesting. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah. So what? What? What was it? When did it happen that you said, "Wow, I I really fucked up." I mean. I got to change my ways. I mean, when, when did oh, when, I, when I was sitting in prison, not knowing when the hell I was going to come home, I had a six to 15 bid. Um, I didn't expect to get out in six years. Um, my CR was 10 years. So I was expecting and prepared to do 10 years. Yeah. That's when I kind of like, you know what, you gotta, you gotta change. Right. Right. And did the change started happening in, in prison? Yeah. You know, I've, I've I've always been a, a good person. You know, I wouldn't say I changed who I am. I just changed some of the things I do, the people I be around and things like that. Even though, you know, I was running the streets, I was never like, you know, an evil, bad person. I think that's what actually helped me out a lot and not being in a lot worse trouble was just, you know, I always had a good, good heart, so to say. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah yeah sitting in prison is that's not a good place and um, unfortunately you get a lot of time to reflect it sits you down gives you a time out you got nothing else to think about with your life and things you could have did different and things you will do different you know what i mean so it's it's kind of like a gift and a curse so to say you're a father now yourself um and you have yeah. both boys and and girls in your in your family do you talk to them about your experiences? Do you share with them what you've yeah, been? Yeah, definitely with my son. I share with him. He's a, a great kid, you know what I mean? But um, I see he could be going down the wrong path right now. Um, He's kind of messing up in school and things of that nature. Um, He don't hang out and do all the bad stuff like I used to do. So I'm so grateful for that. You know what I mean? But however, I see the potential in him. And I kind of tell him, like, listen, man. Um, I had a father and he tried to tell me a lot of things and I didn't listen. And, you know, I mean, I'm not in the worst position in life, but I could be so much better right now had I simply listened. And I try to kind of kind of try to like drill that in his head. You know what I mean? Just listen. I know you're a kid and you want to do things your way and you think you know everything. But just even simple, small little things, just listen now because it'll help you so much in the future. You know, and I, I try my hardest to get that through his head. Um, do you feel you're being effective, successful at that? I mean, is I he, feel is he, is I'm being listening? more effective than before. More effective than your father? No, more effective than, uh, when he was younger, he's 17 now. Okay. So when he was about 14, 15, it was like, I don't want to hear none of it. Now he maybe want to hear 10% of it. So, you know, it's a slow process, but it's happening. All right. But did, um, I, what I, my question was, did you learn from your father how to deal with a son? Hmm. You said your father yes was too no. strict. Yeah, yeah. The, re- the reason why yes and no, like like I said, my father was older than 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 I was. Our age different 
was much more than my son and myself's age difference. So a lot of his methods, I I couldn't understand it back then because the gap was just so huge. His way of thinking was just so far different from mine. I think me and my son's way of thinking is more closely connected than me and my father's. But his lessons, I definitely learned and try to convey them to him, but just in a more modern way, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Let's talk about your acting. When when did you first get interested in uh, in in that that thing um, called acting? I, and, um, well, I mean, acting has always uh, piqued my my curiosity since I was young. You know, um, sometimes I would look at movies or something and. And and I I would leave the realm of the fiction and make it, or the nonfiction and make it fiction, meaning that I would look at it from, oh, this is great acting. Oh, this person is really acting good instead of looking at the movie for the action scene or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And um, it wasn't something I can say that I seen myself doing, but it's something that I was always interested in. Who were your favorite actors early on? Uh, Denzel. um, You know what? I can't really say I had a favorite actor i just liked watching movies and stuff um period i'm a sucker for a story like um now i watch like anime and stuff like that and i just the story get me every time you got a good story i'm there yeah crying laughing everything all emotions oh we all we all we all love great stories you met rich at otisville in his Mm -hmm. in his acting workshop i'm i'm assuming um what uh what was that working with rich how was that um, it was at first an experience and then Rich kind of, um, kind of grew on me, you know what I mean? And, um, and I like it. We, the best thing I used to like about the acting class for me was the improvs. I used to love sitting there and playing them games. What was that thing we had? We had one called like an assassin where he took some yeah. pieces of papers, he balled them up and one had a dot on it. And the one with the dot, if you got that one, you were the assassin. So you had to walk around the room in a circle and you had to kill people. And the way you killed them was when you caught eye contact, you would blink. And once they seen it, they would die. Now you had to kill them without people knowing you were the assassin. Right. Which was difficult. You know, some people always cheated too. I ain't going to name no names or nothing. But um, <laughs> and, and I just used to love going there and and just doing the improvs. Remember, I was locked up, you know, emotions were high, you know, everything was crazy. And it was just like a reprieve. It was, it was a way to escape my current condition and it just worked so beautifully. Right. So, so, so Richard, what, uh, what kind of actor was YJ? What did you uh, get from him as an actor at that period? Um, Well, I mean, my, my feeling was like when, when, when he first came in, I mean, like, I don't know, it's, you know, he he was honest about. It. He said he always liked doing this, but that he he or he or he liked acting, but he never did anything. And he was always kind of warning me, like like I don't have any experience. But like when I gave him that first monologue, it was this. And it's funny now that I know I didn't know that you were such an uh, excellent student because the monologue I gave him, the first line is like, uh, I don't have the words to tell you what I feel. I never finished school, and it's like you know, and like and and he just sort of owned that whole thing. That so that so then already he was able to you know, put himself in a situation that wasn't necessarily his, but he owned it. He, it was, I, I just, 
I, I was trying to get that monologue back on him for for talk to me, but he wanted to go with the with the Russian chick in the car, which I don't blame him. But 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 it was like it was just really it's one of my favorite monologues, and, and I was just impressed with how down to earth, how real he was, how he just kind of owned it, and like that to me is that's that's really good acting. Yeah, so, yeah. Putting putting. Mm. So you're capable of putting yourself into that the reality of whatever well, that moment well, what, is. Well, G said it best before. He said, he says, he's got the character and he's got me, you know, myself. And it's like putting the, it's like sinking the two of them together. That's right. what the real magic is because you can't just be yourself because this character has got a whole other story, but you yeah. can make that your story. You know what I mean? And that's what we work on a lot of exercises in classes. Like how do we make somebody else's story, your story? So YG, does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, I think he hit it right, right on the nose. Right. Are you, are you uh, acting now? I mean, besides doing the acting out workshop, are you, are you doing any professional no, work? Um, I, I had um, uh, an offer. I never even told Rich that um, there's a web series called Juicy, and um, I was doing an interview. My sister and I was doing an interview of this lady named um, Shaniqua. Williams, she'll kill me if I butcher her name. I think she's running for um assemblyman, assemblywoman in the Bronx or one of those positions. And we interviewed her, and one of the uh, producers for Juicy, which is a web series, um, came in, and he was like, oh, "Okay." And I spoke to my rich, and I do acting. He was like, "Well, hey, if you want to come over on the weekends, we can give you a role. We can cast you if you can get some extra guys too." I was going to ask the guys inside of the um inside of the class but i thought about it i was like ah, well maybe rich wouldn't like it if i start pulling his guys to do other stuff and stuff like that so um no i'm not doing anything else but i did have an offer too that i just didn't entertain well i'm going to tell you that the next time they make that offer you go ahead and do it and grab the guys because that's what we're all about yeah. is, is getting the work out there and then when it conflicts with my rehearsals then we can fight about it Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> and that's 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 an order yeah. from the teacher. Um, I uh, Waji is in uh, you're you're in your car, and uh, mm -hmm. your wife was just doing uh, some shopping. It looks like she just got back. I see her in the yeah, background. She did. There. So I apologize for the noise. No, 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 no. It's it's okay. It's all real. Um, but you you promised us to do one more uh, reading. Can maybe maybe once she gets settled in, you could. Uh, yeah, when she gets. I, I, I'll do the I'll do the next one. Right. Okay. Um, and just this one I haven't been practicing on, so it's going right. to be kind of raw. I'm going to give you a little background on this. Our next show is called Inside Out, and it's all this material was written by men while they were incarcerated. And this is a piece called the G Building. And I don't even want to in in the prison system. The G Building is where they put all the crazies. It's like it's it's like a it's like a a, a dorm or a, or you know like a section of the prison where everybody who's mentally off goes. So I don't know why they call it the G building, but that's what it called. And these guys wrote this piece called the G building and everybody in it is kind of certifiable. So. Wow. Do they have a G building in Otisville? Um, I don't know. Was there one there? Was there? No, no, there's no G building. In I think it was, I think it was because, because Santo, one of the other guys in the show, he was the co-writer of this piece. And I think there was a, in another prison he was at, they had a thing called the G building. And people say, watch out, man, you're gonna go to, they're gonna send you to the G building. It was wow. like a threat, you know? And, okay. um, and it's a very funny piece though. And this guy Dex that he plays is, and they're all kind of off in their own world. And this is just uh, this crazy little, his little, he goes on about his concept about what he thinks the world is about. And who wrote this piece? 
Um, Jason Morales and Miggy Rodriguez are the two authors. Okay. Whenever you're ready. All right. Um, hmm. <laughs> Supply and demand. You see, it's everywhere. We can't escape reality. The queen needs cocaine for her late night parties with the Pope. Pygmies in Argentina need bulldogs they can ride bareback to patrol the cocoa fields. The queen says to the pygmy, what do you have? And the pygmy says to the queen, what do you have? And the Pope passes the collection plate because God needs our prayers. Supply and demand. This world is built on a system of exchange so everyone can meet the needs and desires of each other. People start to fight when they aren't met. Life is much happier when needs and desires are satisfied. All right. I like the sound of the background. <laughs> it kind of yeah. gave me a sense of insanity there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try I try to see it. I, I, I can imagine that um Dex right now is in a place where he's trying to convince somebody to say something that he don't agree with. Right. He's like, listen, look. And it, this yeah, is the way the world really works, you know. And he's also he's also just so you know he's also got a physical tick that we're going to work out where he like twitches like while he's doing it too. So it's like you know there's a whole side to him that's great. All right, so so there's more work that uh, Walker's oh, yeah. going to be doing on this. Yeah, yeah definitely. That, that's just scratching the surface right there. That's okay. Not even getting into it. Well, I, I see you're getting ready to take off, go back home, yep. get the milk in the refrigerator. Whatever's going there. Thank you very much, Waji, for uh, joining us on Prison Monologues and for sharing some of your life and inspirations. And and thank you, Richard, for uh, bringing Waji to the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. Well, uh, thank you so much for having me. It's been um, an absolute pleasure. Um, And maybe hopefully we could do it again. And it'll be dope. Maybe you can um, come on my podcast one time, too. I finally got rich up there. Yeah, hey. we had a great time. It was really Hey, he look, you good, can't you can't make that invite. It has to happen. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah, exactly. Maybe Rich oh, and right. I could do it together. Yeah. yeah that would be beautiful. Two old white guys. Dueling yeah, by hey, podcast, right? There, there, there we go. Little, little there we go. Flavor. Very good. <laughs> a little flavor. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Right. <laughs> thank, thank you very much, Wadji. And thank you, Richard. All right. See you guys later. Right, okay. See you later. See you later. Bye-bye.